0: I want to talk with you about prison escapes. This is a subject that is fascinating to us. It's the subject of books like Count of Monte Cristo. You may have read it in school. Um, Movies like Escape from Alcatraz kind of piques our interest or Shawshank Redemption or a newer one. The next three days um, are all kind of these cool prison escape breakout movies. And there's also an entire TV show that was on a few years back. It was actually called, say it if you know it, Prison Break. Oh, was it up there? Okay, cool. Um, prison Break. So there's a whole four seasons of just how are we going to break out of prison. Um, but as as you watch these and as you think about it, I think some of these can really start um, to mess us up because suddenly we realize that, wait a second, I'm cheering for people in jail to escape. What is wrong with me? And I'm really hoping that these inept guards don't uh, discover their escape plan or somehow catch them. You're like sort of cheering for the prisoner, right? And you're like, what is wrong with me? What is happening here? I think our attitude gets a little bit back on track when we start talking about real-life jailbreaks, like last year, two inmates in upstate New York prison, uh, Richard Matt and David Sweat, escaped from prison. Um, whole communities were on alert and afraid that these guys would harm them. Or uh, recently back in the news is uh Mexican drug lord prison escape artist, El Chapo, is like digging tunnels trying to get to the United States. And all of a sudden we're like, no, I don't like that very much at all. Give me the wrongly accused you know, non-conformist Andy Dufresne um, from Shawshank, or it's fun to see Russell Crowe try to break out his innocent wife. Like, I think I'd rather have those stories a little bit more. They're a little bit more fictional and distant than, like, actual people that escape from prison. Prison is also used as a conceptual idea in thought and even in our uh, modern vernacular in poetry and art. We sort of use prison uh, to describe feeling trapped or losing liberty or freedom. You may even hear the words, man, it feels like I'm in prison right now. Or you may have even said those, uh, just feeling stuck or lost or um, afraid. Well, this morning, uh, we get to take a look at a prison break uh, right from Scripture. So turn with me to Acts chapter 12. And if you're using the Pew Bible, it is on page 920. As you're turning there, I wanted uh, to share with you, as Pastor Paul is going through uh, this series on 1 Peter, um, it's always good as we're studying Scripture to check out the different supporting material uh, to learn as much as we can about um, the person of Peter. So um, maybe in just your personal reading time or your study time, if you want to go back and read through the book of uh, the Gospels, the book of Acts, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and even Galatians, uh, Peter is mentioned by Paul a few times, just to get inside the mind of Peter as we go through this 1 Peter study that Pastor Paul is bringing us through. And that's why I wanted to go through Acts chapter 12 because it it's exciting, it's fun, and it also spotlights... Um, Peter and helps us to understand him a little bit better. So in Acts chapter 12, uh these events are taking place probably about 10 or 11 years after Jesus's death. And at this point in the book of Acts the main person that the author who's uh the apostle Luke is following is Peter and some of the other disciples and apostles. And this is going to soon change to the apostle Paul. So Paul just had his conversion from Saul to Paul. And so this is sort of a hinge chapter in the book of Acts, going from one focus um, to another. Um, so let's read uh, through Acts chapter 12 and uh, see what we're dealing with. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. whose other name was Mark, where they were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl, Rhoda, came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice In all her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind, but she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand uh, to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Let's go before the Lord and just ask his blessing and ask us to teach him during this time together. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for uh, this story in Acts chapter 2, 12. And we pray that... Um, you would come and be our teacher, Holy Spirit, that you would um, guide us and that you would help us to understand um, the meaning of this passage. And God, as, as we're challenged, uh, as we look at uh, this event from Peter's life, um, would you help us to consider what we need to change in our lives and how we need to grow closer to you? So Lord, we thank you and we ask you to bless our time in your word. And it's in Jesus's name. Amen. So there's a lot to, to look at, so let's get to work. Uh, I want to take a look at the very first uh, few verses in chapter 12, because uh, there's a, a chunk that I, I want to uh, explain a few things. So it says this, At the time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. So this is one of the first times in the book of Acts that we actually see the Roman Empire having some hostility towards uh, Christians and um, those who had converted to Christianity before it was more uh, infighting in in uh, the Jewish religion. So, uh, the Roman Empire kind of viewed Christianity or the way as a sect of Judaism. And so they were kind of fine to, to let them bicker and fight and maybe break up a few here and there. Um, but there were some events that had happened, uh, in chapter 11 that we're going to look at that kind of caused Herod, and this is Herod Agrippa, um, to start laying these violent hands on those who belong to the church. So if you just look over, it's on, it's on the, should be on the same page or, or close by. It's chapter 11. Verses 20 through 21, it says, this is of Acts. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, uh, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So what was happening was, it wasn't just Jewish people who were being converted to Christianity, but it was also these Greeks, these Hellenists. And uh, people in the Roman Empire as well were being converted from uh, whatever they had believed uh, to Christianity. So it wasn't just this Jewish problem anymore, uh, but it was starting to expand out into the Roman Empire. And then the other one is uh, another reason that Herod kind of started this up is if you look in 11 verse uh, 28... Uh, it says that there's a prophet named Agabus who stands up and fore- foretells by the Spirit that there's going to be a great famine over the world and in the land. And so this is kind of some incendiary like, hey, all of a sudden these Christians are saying some really bad stuff that that things are going to happen. Um, and so that was another reason. And then I think the last one um, you can see if you just skip a verse up in 11, verse 26 uh, the church moves, uh, kind of there's this centralizing of the church from Jerusalem to Antioch. And then uh, it says, And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. So now it's a total split from Judaism. Instead of uh, the Roman Empire viewing this as just some infighting, there's this split and there's actually called Christians now um, in the book of Acts. So that's why Roman hostility towards Christians begins. Uh, and then there's another piece in verse 3 of Acts chapter 12 that I want to explain is that Peter's arrest happens during the time of unleavened bread. Um, and if you, if you look back, you can kind of write this down and just for research for later, uh, check out Exodus 13 verses 2 to 10. Um, it's during the Passover when the Israelites are leaving their oppression and slavery in Egypt. Um, and God is bringing them out and starting their journey to the promised land. Um, he institutes the Lord institutes among the Israelite people this feast of unleavened bread and then he explains it a little bit more in Deuteronomy 163 through 4. so just in your own study you can you can check those out and learn a little bit more about it but I'm not a great science person so I actually had to do some research as to why leaven an unleavened bread is a big deal um, because I just didn't really know. So the problem with leaven or yeast uh, is that it furthers a process of death or decay um, in wheat flour. So what yeast does is it eats away at the sugars that's in wheat flour and releases gases um, that get trapped in bread that looks kind of like this. So if you break it open, you get nice fluffy bread that's like all those little air bubbles that are delicious, and you're probably getting hungry right now, and I'm going to eat this in front of you, that'll make you even more hungry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so that's what happens with yeast or leaven. Um, and the problem with that is that it represents the fact that if there's cur- this curse of sin in life, in our world, if that curse wasn't there, there would be no Leavened bread. There would be no yeast. There would be no process of decay. And so the Jewish people um, that God instituted this feast of unleavened bread would actually, they take, it kind of happens during the week of Passover is this whole feast of unleavened bread. So before Passover night, they take their time to clean out their homes and they take out every single crumb that's here and they'd like sweep it away and get it out of their home because they don't want any trace of this process of decay and death to be around them, and what they do is they make unleavened bread, which looks like this. So you can kind of see the difference between unleavened bread and leavened bread, right? So uh, that's some of the, that's some of the problem with leaven or yeast is that it represents this process of decay, and so there was this purging of corrupting influences and death in people's lives. And this is the first challenge that that I wanna. Uh, ask you about this morning, kind of based on this timing of Peter's imprisonment uh, being around the feast of unleavened bread. What is the death and decay in your life that you need to be free from? What is that yeast or leaven in your life that's eating away, that's killing something, that's destroying something in you? Maybe there's a character flaw that you have that you're working on, that addiction that's gripping you, Maybe it's a lack of integrity being one person, type of person at work, another person in the family, or another person around friends. I know for my life, my leaven is negativity. I am not a naturally positive person. Um, When I see a a glass that's half empty or half, no, just half empty, um, that's the only thing I see, right? And so I have to ask the Lord every single day um, to work in me, to see things positively, to believe the best. That takes a lot of work. That's my leaven. That's what destroys and kills me. And so I need to get rid of that in my life. Whatever that leaven is, whatever that yeast in your life that's causing that death and decay, you need to get rid of it. Let's move on, uh, verses four and five. I just want to take a quick peek at and give you another challenge. Uh, verse four in Acts chapter 12 says this. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison. So this is Herod seizing Peter. He had put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. And I want to stop right there because this isn't anything new if you're reading through the Gospels and if you're uh, knowing uh, right before Jesus is arrested, and it's kind of clear in Mark uh, chapter 14, verse 2, if you go back and look it up and read it, the, the teachers of the law and the people and the Jewish leaders were really worried that there would be an uproar among the people for arresting jesus during the feast of unleavened bread they went ahead and did it anyway but that was kind of a concern to them They're like maybe we shouldn't do this because it's during the feast and people are going to riot and there's going to be this uproar um and so what herod agrippa was doing is he was waiting that period time out and he'll just uh be able to to move on uh to peter's um execution. So verse 5, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayers for him was made to God by the church. This is a great verse. The church is earnestly praying for Peter who is being persecuted. And as we will see, the prayers for the persecuted Christian mean a whole lot. And this leads me to another challenge, question that I want to ask you is, um, are, we, are you praying earnestly for the persecuted church? Are you praying for people who, who are spiritually oppressed. A few Sundays ago, we had prayed like we often do for the persecuted church, and I thought to myself, wow, we pray for the persecuted church a lot. And after reading this and knowing this story, I hope that Cornerstone never stops praying for persecuted and imprisoned Christians. We need to pray for Christian brothers and sisters uh, like Yaklis. Kabadoustakov, a Kazakhstani Christian who, after believing in Jesus and leaving Islam, was sharing his faith with his his family and friends and was arrested for spreading religious discord. Or Pastor Yang Rongli, who was in prison in China for gathering people um, in an organized prayer rally, and she was arrested for uh, disturbing the public order. In September of 2009, she's been in prison that long. She's set to be released next year, but this is a a person we need to be praying for. Or 60-year-old pastor, Hyun Soo Lim, a South Korean native who emigrated to Canada. He was making one of his many humanitarian trips that he's made over the past 20 years into North Korea, and he was arrested February of last year. He gave a confession of his crimes against the public of North Korea, and he remains in prison to this day. There are many out there in prison and being persecuted for Jesus' name. We need to be praying for these brothers and these sisters, and we need to be praying for those who we know who are in living in spiritual oppression right now. And so I asked Craig Mann if if he would lift up the persecuted church, those who are in prison for the name of the Lord, uh, those who are under spiritual oppression, that they would be free From those things that the Lord would bless them. So, Craig, if you would lift up our brothers and sisters and those who are spiritually oppressed right now, let's pray together. I printed up a few profiles of, uh, people who are persecuted and in prison right now for the name of our Lord, uh, from Release International and Voice of the Martyrs. And I'm gonna leave them up here. And if you wanna come up and, and grab one of these pastors or one of these Christian brothers and sisters' profiles and commit to pray for them, um, I'm going to do that right now. So uh, after the service, feel free to grab one of these and take them home and pray for them, please. Acts chapter 12, verse 6. If you're following along with me, it says Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, oh, yep. That very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before uh, the door uh, were guarding the prison. So here's Peter in prison. Herod Agrippa is about to bring him out to kill him. He's probably thinking that this is what Jesus was talking about uh, when he predicted how he was going to die. So if you went back and looked in John chapter 21, Jesus is talking with Peter during his reinstatement into ministry and is like, hey, uh, you know, you're going to be old. You're going to be led away to a place you don't want to go. And Peter's thinking, man, this is fitting because 10 or 11 years, almost to the day, I'm going to go home and I'm going to meet my master. I'm going to be with Jesus again. Verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in his cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off of his hands. It's a great verse. And there's a hymn that Charles Wesley wrote. It's called, And Can It Be? And I can just kind of see him meditating on this verse as he writes this line. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's light. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Verse 8 next chapter 12. Uh, and the angel of the Lord said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And when he went out, he followed him. He did not know uh, what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When he had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting." So I want to give you another challenge question uh, to think about, to think through, and it's this. When you hear the voice of the Lord, will you do what he tells you? When you hear the voice of the Lord, will you do what he tells you? There's an amazing book. Uh, if you haven't read it, I really encourage you to. It's called The Heavenly Man. Uh, it's about a Chinese uh, Christian. His name uh, They call him Brother Yun. And uh, it's it's like reading another chapter in the book of Acts. There's just these amazing stories of, of how he was healed or how he healed other people and just how he got his Bible. He prayed for years to receive this Bible. And uh, his second or third time in prison, uh, there's an amazing story. And I would just want to uh, read part of it to you because as I read this, I was like, wow, this is basically Acts chapter 12, but it happened to... Uh, this Christian brother, Yoon, uh, who was in prison in, in 1997. Uh, so it says this. Um, I had written scriptures from the Gospel of John and First Peter, thank you, on a long piece of toilet paper. I fashioned it into a belt of truth, fastening the word of God around my waist. I prayed, Lord, you have shown me that I must try to leave this prison. I will obey you now and will try to escape. But when the guards shoot me, please receive my soul into your heavenly dwelling. He says, I have learned that when the Lord tells us to do something, there is no time for discussion or rationale, regardless of the situation we face. When we are sure God has told us to act, as I was on this occasion, blind obedience is called for. Not to to obey God implies that we are wiser than him. And that we know better how to run our lives than he does. It was just before 8 o'clock in the morning on May 5th, 1997. To the natural mind, this uh, this time of day was the worst to try to escape from prison. There was normally so much activity throughout the prison with all the guards at their posts. I shuffled out of my cell and walked towards a locked iron gate in the hallway. My mind was solely focused on obeying God. I looked straight ahead and prayed beneath my breath with every step I took. A guard who pushed a button when we wanted uh, the gate to open and close sat at the top of the third floor stairwell. It was impossible to see to the other side because the gate was made of iron, and the small bro- and the small windows were covered with black cloth. At the exact moment I reached the gate, another servant of the Lord, Brother Musheng, was returning to his cell, and the gate was open for him. That morning he had been ordered to sweep the prison courtyard. As Musheng passed past me, I told him, "Wait! Don't close the gate." I walked through without even breaking my stride. The Lord's timing was perfect. As we passed, Sheng asked in a whisper, Are you leaving, Brother Yun? Are you not afraid to die? Then with an astonished look on his face, he returned to his cell. There had been a guard accompanying Musheng back to his cell, but the exact moment he opened the gate for Sheng, a telephone rang in an office down the hallway, and the guard turned and ran to answer it. I noticed a broom leaning against the wall in the stairwell. I picked it up and continued walking with it down the stairs to the second floor. An armed guard was positioned at his desk facing the second iron gate. The gate was sometimes left open because an on-guard duty was assigned to watch the gate day and night. It, was cons- it wasn't considered a risk to leave it unlocked. At that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Go now. The God of Peter is your God. Somehow the Lord seemed to blind that guard. He was staring directly at me, yet his eyes didn't acknowledge my presence at all. I expected him to say something, but he looked through me as if I was invisible. He didn't say a word. I continued past him and didn't look back. I knew I could be shot in the back at any moment. I continued to silently ask the Lord to be ready to receive my spirit, thinking these moments were to be my last in this world. I continued walking down the stairs, but nobody stopped me, and none of the guards said a word to me. When I arrived, the main iron gate leading out to the courtyard, I discovered it was already open. This was strange, so uh, as it was usually the most secure gate of all. There were normally two guards stationed at the first floor gate, one on the inside and one on the outside, but for some reason neither of the guards was present and the gate was open. I discarded the broom I had carried "'with me from the third floor and walked into the courtyard. "'The bright morning light made me wince. "'I'd walked past several guards in the yard, "'but nobody said a word to me. "'I then strolled through the main gate of the prison, "'which for some reason was also standing ajar. "'My heart was pounding. "'I was now standing on the street outside of the Zhang Zhao "'number one Secure maximum security prison. "'I was told later that no one had ever escaped from that prison before.' Immediately, a yellow taxi van pulled up next to me and the driver, a man in his late 20s, opened the passenger door. He asked, Where are you heading? I got, in re- I got in and replied, I need to go to my office as quickly as possible, so please drive fast. I gave the driver an address of a Christian family I knew in Zhangzhou and he drove away from the prison. What an amazing story that happens because we're praying, because we're obeying the voice of the Lord. Um, So when you hear the voice of the Lord telling you to do something, will you do it? Will you at least try? When he tells you to give your neighbor a Bible, will you do it? When he tells you to pay for someone's groceries in line behind you, will you obey? When he tells you to ring your neighbor's doorbell and build a relationship, will you go and do it? When he tells you to take a week and and take some vacation time and help out with VBS or Royal Family Kids Camp, will you go? When he asks you to go overseas to the mission field, are you going to obey and do what he asks? When you hear the voice of the Lord, will you do what he tells you to do? Last challenge that I have for you comes uh, from Acts chapter 12, verses 12 to 17. Paul goes to the house of Mary, uh, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, and that's where they were gathered there praying. My last challenge to you is this. Because we are free is our first response to be free in community, to be in community. That was certainly Peter's first thought, right? That was Brother Yoon's first thought was, get me to some Christian brothers and sisters. I am free. When we experience freedom from sin, and I want to remind you about this, because this is very important, Sin doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. Sin makes you in prison. So when you experience that freedom from sin and that life in Christ for the first time, when your chains fell off and you went free, did you go to be by yourself? Is that what you're doing right now? Are you thinking, I can come into church late, and I can get my singing in, and I heard the sermon, but I'm just going to leave a little bit early, right, kind of as the closing time happens, and just be by myself the rest of the time. I don't need help. I can do this Christian life on my own. When you're free, you should run to others who are free. Our freedom from sin and staying free from sinning, we need to be in community to do that. You can't do it by yourself. And this last question and challenge, you can't answer that if you are not free. Like I said, sin doesn't make you bad. It makes you dead. Sin keeps you in prison. Sin is a harsh, harsh jailkeeper. If you think your life will be like some prison escape movie, you're wrong. There is no inept guard that will let you escape the prison of death and sin. There's no good work or elaborate plan that you can put together to escape sin. It's only Jesus' death on the cross that frees and forgives us from sin, that makes us alive, that makes us free. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed Thee. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed Thee. God is calling you right now to be free. To believe in Jesus, to follow Him, Will you do it? Get that death and decay out of your life. Run fast to community. Let's be praying for those who don't have the physical or spiritual freedom that you have right now or that you can have right now by believing that Jesus died, that he rose again. That's what makes us free.
1: So come, empty me out I'm no good without You inside of me Come and fill my heart with hope Come and fill my life with love Come and fill my soul with strength to carry on Because from here the climb And fill my days with dreams Empty me of all the empty things That I hold on to Come and fill my heart With you, Very heart of me and die. I can't believe my eyes. I can't believe the dream that I found. The Lord your love is turned. Always to to.